uh, that we have. Um, uh, sometimes uh, Olivia and I will I, I'll share with her what our uh, message is going to be for the week, and, and next thing you know, we're on a, a three-hour gambit back and forth with each other, talking about scriptures, talking about you know the parallels here and the parallels there, and 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 so forth. So a great uh, a great friendship uh, with them for me. Uh, but not only just a, a friend, but, but someone that we really engage Jesus together. And, uh, and so we're thankful for that, thankful for what God has in store for them uh, and for the pulse with them and, and all that God um, is doing. Just to, just to kind of echo what, what Luke was sharing with you this morning, um, we are we're excited and, and you guys know that have been here from the beginning when we were at the middle school that we were all about getting into the community. We wanted to be into the community. We did not want to be a four walls kind of church. We wanted to be out in the hedges and in the highways and helping people uh, do life, helping people find themselves and, and find Jesus most of all so that he began to do great works, uh, not only in the church, but in the community um, as well. I'm going to come up front because I'm getting some major feedback. Um, and, and in doing that, oh, much better. Um, I don't know if y'all were hearing that, but it was driving me crazy. Um, so as we have evolved and, and come to this, and you know, if you remember, uh, God gave us the vision that if we would tithe, that he would pay this off, right? And, and that's one thing that we have to understand. And I think you know, it's what Luke was sharing with us this morning, is that in, in our situation, we see what we have. We see what we give. We see what we think is insufficient, or we see what we think isn't enough. But if we ever begin to look at it in that context, we're missing all that God has. Because what God is ultimately saying is, if you are faithful over that little bit, over that 10%, if you are faithful in that, I have endless resources, and I will supply. I will supply. I will do everything you can't if you're just faithful. And, uh, and I've seen that true in our life um, as, as husband and wives. I mean, I could, I could story tell all day long uh, about the things that we've seen God do in our home and in our life and the provisions he has provided when we look at it and be like, man, there's, there's no way. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how we do this, and and everything. And we still put our tithe in, and we still just trusted the Lord on a wing and a prayer. And man, the things He has done um, for us, the things that we've seen Him do here as a startup church um, for us, and um, and everything else. I again, I could story tell all day, but let us let us always remember when we think about giving. And we think about that, that flowing over that Luke was talking about. We serve a God with endless resources, right? He owns the cattle of a thousand hills, right? And he knows them by name the same as he knows the, the hairs on our head, amen? And, and his resources are endless. And we're thankful, we're thankful for a, a, providing, a providing God this morning. So this morning, we, we're going to start uh, a new series and, uh, and we're thankful uh, for how God works, and we're thankful for um, all that he gives. You guys are probably sitting out there going, we're thankful we're not in Revelations anymore, right? Because that thing went on forever. 
Um, just funny how it worked, but I think God worked it the way he needed to work it. Um, otherwise, we were just going to be punching you every single week in a row. And, and sometimes we need a little bit of a break for that. So I think God worked it out the way he wanted to work it out. And, uh, and we're thankful for that. Um, it's important, I think, this time that we're in that we understand the seven churches. And we understand that if God was giving such a stark warning through John's vision all the way back then, man, we should even be more warned today. And, and we should even be more cautious about ensuring that we are about the work of the Lord today. So today we, we turn our sights to Moses and, and we turn our sights to um, his interactions with God and his interactions with the nation of Israel as they began um, their journey to the promised land. Right now, we all know we all know the foreground of this, right? And and we're just gonna we're just gonna take a couple minutes and remind you. Moses uh, had grown up in Egypt as an as an adopted son, if you will, of Pharaoh. Grew up understanding the customs, knowing the customs. Grew up in that. Killed a man defending one of the Israelites after he understood his heritage, and fled, ran away, and he found himself onto a mountainside somewhere hiding. Right. And, and we can look at that scripture and we can say, well, he was dutiful. You know, he was a great shepherd. He was doing all of the things and, and meeting all of the responsibilities given to him. And, and while that is true by man's standards, what was ultimately not true is that he had not yet fulfilled all that God had for him. Amen. And he was ultimately hiding from it until he met a burning bush. Right. And that bush burned, and it didn't consume itself, right? Anybody ever, ever, anybody ever have a campfire? What's that fire do? It consumes, right? It burns that wood till there's nothing left but cinders or, uh, or smoke or, or cinders at the very best, right? It burns it down. It, it depletes it in some way. But yet this tree was burning and not consuming. And God spoke to Moses, and he told Moses what he had for him to do. And we all know the story. He went to Egypt. He met with Pharaoh. He asked Pharaoh to let his people go. God sent a whole lot of crazy plagues, right? And I heard T.D. Jakes say this once. Man, don't, don't make God mad, right? This is T.D. Jakes, not Jay, right? T.D. Jakes said, don't make God mad because God can do whatever God wants to do, right? Like sending a plague of frogs. Frogs. Frogs, Right? He sent a plague of frogs. Now, if you can imagine the streets lined with frogs to the point that you couldn't walk down them, consuming the things that they consume and doing the things that they do and everything else, it's, it's uncanny, miraculous at the very best for us to think of a situation like that. God is able to move in any way that you think of, and he moved with that power and he moved with that might on behalf of Moses but for the culmination of things that God had planned. Amen? It wasn't just because God was mad at Pharaoh. If you remember, God used the Egyptians to bring the Israelites into slavery. And this is important, to bring them into slavery years before because of the Israelites' own transgressions. Because of their own sins, because of their own blasphemy against God, God allowed the slavery to happen. Right? So Egypt was a tool of that. And, and so it wasn't so much that God was angry at Pharaoh and just wanting to punish him. God was saying through Moses, just let my people go. 
Just let my people go. Right? But Egypt refused. Right? They would have never been in Egypt's hand. Amen. We're going to get we're going to bring this full circle in a minute, but it's important that we hit it. It would have never been into their hand to enslave the nation of Israel had God not allowed it. Right? We must remember that God removed that hedge of protection and allowed the slavery to occur. Right? But Egypt refused. We know about uh, the plagues, and we ultimately know about the death angel passing over and all of the firstborn of the Egyptians being killed. Right? And in that, he let the people go. The people fled, came to the Red Sea. Red Sea parted. They come across the Red Sea. Fire by by night, cloud by day, leading them to the promised land. And we come to Mount Sinai, right? That was like almost 19 chapters worth of Exodus for you right there, right? So, So here we are at the Mount. And we're here in this place where, right, we fled from Egypt. We've escaped our slavery. But yet we are still in a mindset much like slaves. We are still behaving like slaves. We are still acting like slaves. We, we, are still, we are still encountering life like slaves. And we're trying to figure out, because it's all we've known. It's what we were born into. So it's all we were known to be slaves. And here we are in the middle of the desert. And some of us are whining and complaining that we want to go back to slavery. We want to go back to Egypt. Right? Because at least we weren't in the middle of a desert. But the reality for me and the reality for you is that if we're not careful, we'll become so comfortable in our flesh and we'll become so comfortable in our sin and we'll become so comfortable outside of God's will for our life that we will make petition to stay there. You with me? We will make petition to stay in the slavery of man and to stay in the slavery of this world and to stay in the slavery of the enemy just so we don't have to put a little effort in, just so we don't have to work, just so we don't have to change ourselves, right? And, and this is largely where Israel was at the time. Moses leading them, Moses pointing them to God. I mean, I, I don't get it. Personally, I don't. And you say, well, Jay, you've got the whole Bible. You know how the story ends and everything else. It was easier for you. Maybe that's true. And maybe I'm just spoiled by, by the knowledge of knowing what happens. But I don't know, man. If someone splits a great big sea in front of me and allows me to walk through it, I'm, I'm going to kind of be like, I'm, I, I'm on that side. Right? Luke was talking about his basketball coach. I'm kind of like, I'm on that team. I, 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 don't know, I, I don't know who else is on that team, but if a dude's going to split the C, I'm playing there, right? And, and maybe that's just me. Maybe, maybe, I'm just, maybe I'm just over logical, but if somebody's going to split a C, I want to be on that side, right? Not to mention all the plagues and all of the things that we just saw occur in Egypt. Not to mention the fact that, oh, there's, there's the fire at night. And the cloud by day to lead me where I'm supposed to go. Well, that's just coincidence, right? Oh, wait, it's back tomorrow. Oh, wait, here it is again tonight, right? It's just another coincidence. It's just another coincidence, right? This is how we do life, right? This is how we minimize God, right? 
It's just the way it is. It's just how I am. It's just the way the world is. Amen. Again and again and again, we minimize God because we refuse to see him in his vastness and we refuse to see him in all that he is. And so we accept common. We accept neutral. We accept okay. We accept enough. Amen. Because we don't want to be pushed to greater things. We'll accept mediocre every single day because we don't want to be pushed to greatness. Amen? And then we grumble and complain because we're mediocre. Right? And some of you are sitting there saying, okay, Jay, now you're meddling. You're meddling, so get off my back. Right? But the reality, friend, is this is, this is exactly where, where Israel was. This is exactly where they were, being pushed and being called to greater things, yet willing to accept slavery in replacement of that because, well, that's too much work. Well, that's too much effort. That requires self-denial. That requires sacrifice. That, that, that requires, you know, not getting to do what I want to do. Amen. I posted something on, on Facebook, I don't remember, yesterday, today, or the day before, whatever, and everything else, and it was several, several screens, and I said, be sure you read all of it, but it was about a man talking uh, about putting in the work, and, and how that um, his dad told him he wanted to get a car, this boy wanted to get a car, and his dad told him, work, cut grass, do chores, do things like that, earn money, whatever you make, I'll math, and we'll go get a car. Well, boy sees, long story short, boy sees... Uh, a car that he absolutely wants, absolutely loves it. I don't remember what it was in the, in the post. Absolutely loves it, absolutely wants it, right? And in the beginning, the boy had started earning a lot of money. He started working really hard. He started earning a lot. And then he got comfortable. Then he got lazy. And then he believed that that was good enough. And he really didn't earn any more money. And so now he sees the car that he wants. And he goes. And he's only got $2,000, which means his dad's going to match. And they've got $4,000. And the car that he really wants, that he can't stand it, he wants it so bad, is $8,000. So he begins to talk to his dad. Dad, is there not something we can do? Already Not knowing already that his dad had started negotiating with the man. And the man came back over and said, okay, I'll go $6,000. And the boy's like, oh, great. Dad will cover that. Dad will help that. And everything else like that. And, um, and the man says, okay, thank you very much. Shakes his hand and everything else and goes to get in the car. And he's like, wait, Dad, what are you doing? And he gets in the car and says, what are you, what are you doing, Dad? That, that's my truck. And he says, son, we've, we don't have enough money. You only earn 2000 My matching is another 2000 That's 4000 The man came down 2000 to 6000 We still don't have enough. We're going home. And, and the boy telling the story was like, I was ticked. Man, I was mad. That was my truck, right? That was my car. That was what I wanted. Amen. But at the end of the day, I hadn't put in the work. At the end of the day, I hadn't prepared. At the end of the day, I had not put myself in the place that Father had already told me to put myself in. And if I had just not gotten lazy, not gotten comfortable, and worked harder, I could have walked away today with my, with my dream truck. I could have walked away today with exactly what I wanted in my heart. What God is saying to all of us 
What God is saying to me and what God is saying to you is if you will be faithful with what I give you, I will give you everything else. I will give you everything else if you will be faithful. But instead, we choose slavery. Just like just like the children of Israel. So maybe we're not so different. Amen. Maybe maybe we see the Red Sea parted and maybe we see the miracle of this building. Maybe we see all of the things God has done, the healings in the hospitals and, 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 and the people uh, uh, overcoming sickness and overcoming illness and, and people overcoming uh, broken marriages and people overcoming this and overcoming that again and again and again. Maybe we see all of that and we're just spoiled. Maybe we're just comfortable. Maybe we're just lame. Because we're not willing to break the chains. And not only are we not willing to break the chains, but we're not willing to let God break the chains. Amen? And this is where the nation of Israel was when they came to Mount Sinai. That was, this was the attitude. This was, this, this was the disposition. This was the lack of vision. This was the lack of faith. This was the lack of everything when they walked to Mount Sinai. Moses, beside himself, says, man, I'll go talk to God because y'all driving me crazy, right? It's right here in Exodus. He says exactly that. Y'all driving me crazy. No, he doesn't. Just kidding. But, but ultimately, that's where Moses is. Moses is in this place of, man, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to get through to you because God has already given us so much. God has already shown us so much. God has already moved impossible things on our behalf. And yet here we are, some of us wanting to go back to Egypt. Some of us wanting to stay in our pit. Some of us, some of us, some of us just wanting to, to be mediocre. Some of us not even reaching mediocre stage, but willing to accept where we're at. Let's, let's, let's take a look at, at what God is doing and, and who God is. Chapter 19 of the, of the book of Exodus. We're going to begin reading at verse 1. We may, we may get through the chapter. We may not. It says, In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness... And there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, verse 3, And the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, And tell the children of Israel. Now listen here, guys, because this is us. This is us, right? We are paralleled to Israel in every piece of this story. Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians. And how... And ye shall be, hang on, wait a minute, my Bible's doing a weird thing. And how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Let us not forget let us not forget the sons of Abraham, and let us not forget the promise God made Abraham, and let us not forget that God says you will, you will outnumber the stars. 
and I will provide your every need. Amen. If we go back to Abraham, that was the promise. This was God's covenant. It hasn't been broken. It's just been delayed because the children of Israel were numbskulls. Right? They, they, they did a lot of dumb stuff. Right? And God was like, I can't bless you. I, I can't bless you if you're living like that. I can't bless you if you're acting like that. I can't bless you if you're thinking like that. I can't bless you if you're lazy like that. I can't bless you in this state. And again and again and again, he tried to get their attention. And again and again and again, they turned their back on him. And again and again and again, they embraced idols. And they embraced other gods who had no life and who had no blessing and who had no promise to give them. But they embraced them again and again and again because it was the cultural thing to do. Man, don't we live in similar times? Huh? Don't we live in similar times? And they embraced these idols and these gods over and over and over until God finally said, I can't do it with you anymore. And he allowed them to go into captivity in Egypt. And all of the story is there. And he says unto them that I will make you a peculiar treasure unto me for all above all people and all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You talking about getting risen up. Amen. You talking about out, 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 out punning your coverage. Amen. I mean, you talk about hitting the ball further than, than the fence will keep it in. And whatever analogy you want to put on it, God's saying right here to a bunch of slaves, to a bunch of people who've blown it again and again and again and again, I will make you priests. And a holy nation. What does that say to me? And what does that say to you? It doesn't matter how far we've gone. It doesn't matter how bad the mess up. It doesn't matter how deep the sin. It doesn't matter how bad the attitude. Amen. Whatever it is, God is saying, I can make you better than that. I can not only forgive that, I can not only erase that, but I can raise you up to something and up to someone. That the world will look to and the world will see for my power and for my love and for my goodness to be bestowed unto them. I will do this for you. I will rise you up. Notice it doesn't have anything to them about raising themselves up. It's all about God raising them up. Amen? And it goes on. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses, verse 7, And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words. I love, I love the phrasing here. And laid before their faces. It's kind of like one of those, Would you look? Would you read it? Here, here. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like right in their face. Can, can you read that? Can you see that? This is what God is wanting to do. This is how God is wanting to move. This is, this is what God wants to do for you. Right? And so, and so he's all up in their face with it. All these words which the Lord commanded. And all the people answered together. And said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, and the people may hear when I speak with thee, 
and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. Amen. God is looking for us to commit. Amen. And, and we let sin and, and we let circumstances and we let situations constantly get in our way. Amen. Here, here's news for all of us. Jesus isn't coming to die on the cross again. Right? He has died on the cross. He has shed the blood. He has, he has petitioned the sacrifice back to the throne on my behalf and yours. My sin debt is paid. I just need to receive it. Your sin debt is paid. You just need to receive it. And quit being slaves. We're going to get to that last part here in a minute. Amen? We just need to receive the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And know that our sins have been forgiven. Know that our sins have been washed away. And quit doing it. Right? A lot of us come to Jesus. A lot of us come to him. And God moves on our behalf. And he brings forgiveness to us. And, and then we think we're okay with all of that. And so what do we do? We go home and just start doing the same stuff again. And wonder why we still feel guilty. Wonder why we still feel ashamed. Wonder why our marriage isn't working. Wonder why I can't put down the bottle. Wonder why I can't do this. Wonder why I can't do this. It's because you accepted an emotion and a feeling. You never fully accepted Jesus Christ. Not to the point of the remission of your sins. Amen? Jesus talks of remission of sins. The early church talks of salvation. Jesus talked about remitting sins from man. What does that mean? It means that he's talking about not only am I going to forgive it, but I'm going to set you free of it, and I'm going to ensure that it has no hold over your life ever again. I am remitting it from you. He said it like this. He said it like this to the disciples. When you were converted, amen, he talked in conversion. Again, the early church talked in salvation. Jesus talked in remittance and conversion. What does that mean? It means the same thing. He intends for us to turn from our sin. It means that he intends for us to turn to him and his righteousness and his glory and his power and his promise that he could do great works in our life. That's what he says to the nation of Israel right here. If you'll turn from all that stuff, amen, I'll make you priests in a holy nation. I will set power and glory over you. I will bring my goodness to you, and it will reside over you. And none, none will be favored like your favor. Amen? He makes us the same promise through the cross of Calvary. The same promise through the cross of Calvary that we might step in to all of the glory and all of the power of God, yet we choose to be slaves. We're getting to that. Verse 10, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. And be ready against the third day, for the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people on the Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bonds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mount or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall be surely 
put to death. Now let's break that down. All right. God is not excluding the people from himself. But what he is saying to the people is he is saying that the power and the glory that I am about to manifest over you is something that you can't produce. You can't, you can't produce this level of power and glory. So you want to know what I'm going to do? I'm going to produce it for you, right? Now, now we, we kind of summed up this series as God of the Mountain. And I asked the question. How many of you remember the question I asked when I put it out on, on Facebook advertising it? Man, y'all don't pay attention to nothing. Listen, I asked the question. I said, are you tired of the valley? Are you tired of the valley? Are you tired of the struggle? Are you tired of the guilt? Are you tired of the shame? Are you tired of, of the struggle? Are you tired of the stuff? Are you tired of the valley? And if you are, are you willing to let God create a mountaintop for you? You see, here's the reality. And, and when I put this out immediately, everyone started talking about the old McCamey song. Y'all remember that song where Peg McCamey sings through her nose? Really good. Sings through her nose really, really good. And everything else. And God of the mountain is still God of the valley. Right? I'm not making fun of her. She, she sang better than that, but, but close to that. Right? I'm not making fun of her. I've seen her in concert a million times. I've talked to her. I've had conversations with her. Powerful, powerhouse of God. Right? But, but everyone immediately thought that's where I was going with this. No, 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 friend. I don't want you in the valley. I don't want you in the valley. Amen? That song essentially says to us that the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. So when we're in the valley, it's okay because God hasn't lost his strength. And while we need that hope and while we need that promise, I'm here to tell you, children, that we are called to the mountain. We are called to the power and the glory of God and the mountaintop that he has created. We are not meant for the valley any longer. And while we are in the valley, we are in the valley in our mind and in our heart because we have not accepted mountaintop living. Some of you are looking at me like, I have no idea what that means, Jay. It means this. It means this, right? The mountaintop is all about our spiritual position with God. The mountaintop and, and the power and the glory of the mountaintop is all about the presence of God in our life regardless of where we are. Amen? So let me tell you what. You can be in the midst of struggle and have mountaintop thinking. You can be in the midst of peril and have mountaintop faith. You can be in the midst of struggle. You can be in the midst of pain. You can be in the midst of hurt. You can be in the midst of indecision. You can be in the midst of all the stuff this world is ministering to us every day and have mountaintop power and glory based on God's presence in your life. You can't. I'm not making it up. I just read it to you. But it comes up to us allowing God to be God and do God-level stuff in our life. And that's where, that's, where we, that's where we fail to function, right? 
Because when, when we get in the valley, what do we do? We hit Facebook because we want everybody to know it. We want the sympathy from everybody. We want all the plot. It's all the credit. We want all the attention. Amen. And when we get all the attention from the world, we think we've accomplished something. Amen. So guess what? We'll just stay in slavery because everybody likes my post when I'm in slavery. Everybody likes my post or tells me they love me when I'm telling them how miserable I am. Amen. Listen, if you embrace that and you embrace that crap, you'll stay there. You embrace that mindset, you will stay there. You will live there. Amen. And you will never walk on the mountain. You will never reside in the presence. You will never have the glory of God manifesting itself in you and over you. Amen. As long as you embrace the valley. Amen. Aren't you tired of the valley? I mean, seriously. Aren't you tired of the valley? Aren't you tired of the struggle? Aren't you, aren't you tired of, of, of the crap of this world? Amen. I am. I am. So I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. I choose him. You say, don't you have bad times? Heck yeah, I do. Don't, don't you have bad days? You better believe I do. Don't you have money struggles? Yep. Don't you have this? Don't you have? Yep. Amen. But I choose the mountain. I choose the mountain of God. I choose his holy presence. I choose, I choose his fire. I choose his thunder. I choose his omnipotence over my life. I choose everything that God is over my struggle. And I accept him and his guidance while I'm in it. And I will dance for him in the fire the same as I will dance for him in golden riches. I will dance for him in the time of trial and tribulation the same as I will dance for him when he meets all of my needs. Amen. Why? Because I choose the mountain of God. I choose the mountain of God. Amen. I don't need to be forced there. I don't need, I don't need to be pushed there. Amen. I've lived that life and that life was miserable. Amen? Allowing my, my Christianity to be summed up from emotion to emotion to emotion to emotion. Amen? I'm not living the emotional Christian life anymore. I'm living a life that chooses God, that chooses His power and chooses His glory. I refuse to be a slave anymore. God says this to them, and I'm going to say this to you as a challenge from the same scripture. Amen? He told Moses... To tell them to go and wash their clothes. Amen. Today and tomorrow. Amen. Some of you need to get in the laundry room. Amen. I don't care what your clothes are. I don't, I don't, care, if, I don't care if you paid the clearance out at Walmart like I did Saturday. Or, or if, if you went to some rich highfalutin place to buy your clothes. I, I, it doesn't matter to me. What I'm telling you to do is I'm telling you to go wash the existence of the world from who you are and what you are. You see, the children of Israel, and I can't find anywhere in those first 19 chapters or first 18 chapters, I can't find anywhere where it talks of them taking off their slave clothes. I can't find anywhere where it says that they burned up the remnants of who they were and what they were in Egypt. I can't find anywhere where they took off 
the imaginary shackles that were over their life. And so what happened because of it is they remained in a mindset of Egypt. Because it's all they had known. It's the only place they had been. It was where they were raised. It was how they were brought up. It was all they were accustomed to was slavery and the mindset of slavery. Well, guess what? We're born into sin, right? And if we're not careful and if we don't have a strong home, amen, and we can go to church every day and not have a strong Christian home. Listen, and and the reality for us is this. At some point in our life, we got to wash our clothes. At some point in our life, we've got to say to ourselves and to everybody else, I refuse to live that life anymore. I refuse to live in slavery anymore. I refuse to be imprisoned by the guilt and the shame of the circumstances and sin of this life anymore. I refuse it. That's why God told them to go wash their clothes. You see, what he was doing, amen, and and this is one of Olivia's favorite phrases, he was changing their identity. He was changing their identity. He was saying to them, you are no longer slaves, but you are my priests. You are my holy nation. You are my son and you are my daughter. And no one will point a finger at you that doesn't get my wrath. No one will accuse you that doesn't accuse me. No one will challenge you that doesn't challenge me. No one will call out your name who doesn't get a response from me. I am God of this mountain. And he showed it to them with thunder and with lightning and with fire and with smoke. He was showing the world the same as he was showing them and the same as he was showing me that I am God. I am God. Nobody else. And I will crush those who challenge you. Because I have chosen you, and I have blessed you, and I have put my hand on you. And so, friend, he says to you today, the same as he said to them, then, wash your clothes. Change your identity. Choose who I am and what I am, and you will never fear again. You will never question Again, you will never suffer again because I, I'm the God of the mountain. And I choose you. I call you by name. I want to love you. I want to embrace you. I want to support you. I want to defend you. I will be your God. And you will be my priests and a holy nation. You see, friends, sometimes... We, we make this really tough. We make this really difficult. And, and in reality, all God is saying to us is, I, I want you to choose me too. I've chosen you. I have sent my son for you. I've defeated all of the enemies. I've defeated all the bad guys. Right? I have. God has. Amen. Not you. Not me. Amen. What did David say when he walked into Goliath? 
Today is the day you'll know that David lives. Right? Is that what he says? What did he say? He said, today you'll know that there is a God in Israel. Today you'll find out. Amen. This, this happened after this moment. David was set. His vision was set. His eye was single on a God of the mountain. David was set on the God of the mountain. So much so that when the greatest warriors were hiding under their cots, David said, I'll fight him. He wasn't focused on Goliath. He wasn't even focused on the king's daughter, right? Some of y'all saw how pretty the king's daughter was and that you got her. If you beat Goliath, you'd be tripping and falling all over yourself and Goliath would just squash your head, right? He wasn't focused on the king's daughter. He wasn't focused on Goliath. He was focused on the God of the mountain. Amen? And he walked out there with a sling and three rocks and he slung the first one. And he hit Goliath right where he needed to because of the power and the manifestation of the God of the mountain that says, whoever makes himself your enemy will be my enemy too. Amen? That's a promise of God a little bit later. Whoever makes himself your enemy will be my enemy. And Goliath fell and he cut off his head. Amen? One of the greatest superhero movies ever. Amen? Transformers don't have anything on Goliath that day, right? He even had a little sass. No, we ain't stopping here. We're cutting off the head, right? And again and again and again, we see how God moves on their behalf. We see it in the person of Jesus. Amen? I'm going to close this morning with, with two very familiar stories out of Scripture, but it's important that you see it to understand the representation here that's also given to us in the New Testament. Amen? Lazarus is dead. He tells his disciples that Lazarus is dead, and his disciples are like, eh. Right? Why? Because they needed to go wash their clothes. Right? They needed, they needed to get the, the, the smell of today off of them. Amen? And so do we sometimes. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to make sure you were there. Right? Sometimes we need, we need to wash our clothes to get the smell of today off of us. Amen? And, and to step into the full presence and glory of God. Amen? That's why our closet time absolutely matters. That's why time in the Word absolutely matters, is that it pulls us away from the things of this life and pulls us onto the mountaintop. Amen? And the God of the mountain. Jesus went to the tomb. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this story. And he walks up to the tomb and he says one thing. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, with all the grave clothes on him, shuffles himself to the door, right? And Jesus says what? Loose him. Loose him. Amen. Any of you need loosed? Any of you need loosed today? Any of you need set free today? Amen. Y'all stay up late watching that Yankee game too? Huh? Because some of you are struggling. Listen to me. Listen. Jesus said to loose him and let him go. Jesus chose at that moment to change Lazarus' identity from death to life. Amen? 
Some of us are wandering around bound by the same clothes, by the same death that was ministered over us day after day after day, whether it was sin, whether it was struggle, whether it was circumstances, whatever it was, we choose to walk around in the grave clothes ministered to us of this world rather than being loosed and let go. Amen? Jesus changed his identity. We need to grab this. Jesus changed his identity from death to life. Just like that. And he took away all of the barriers of death from him. Everything that identified Lazarus with death, Jesus removed. Amen? So when God tells us to wash our clothes, when God says to loose him and let him go, God is saying to us through Jesus the same thing that he said to the Israelites on the mountain, amen, that you are loose, you are set free, you are able to do the works that I have committed under your hands. Amen? There's, there's, there's no more barrier to what God is wanting to do in your life. And, and trust me when I say this, God is wanting to do abundantly more. This is scripture, abundantly more than you can fathom in your life. He's wanting to do things that are beyond what you can even comprehend. You say, Jay, I don't know what that means. And, and I, could, I could story tell all day long, but just, but just some quick hints. I've stood in pulpits over the last 30-some years in probably over 200 different churches preaching I don't know how many different messages in revivals and Sunday mornings, Sunday night, Wednesdays, again and again and again. You want to know what? I've seen people fall on the altar drunker than a skunk, reeking, reeking of urine and alcohol and raise up sober and in their right mind. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. Amen? I have seen the addict take everything in his bag and dump it out. And everyone's standing back there in their self-righteous place going, oh, he'll be right back at it tomorrow and everything else like that. But yet I have seen those who defied, who defied logic and walked away from it for good. I have seen marriages doomed for divorce. And I have seen, I have seen pastors walk out of rooms and say there's no help in them. They've already made their mind up. They're getting divorced. And I said, can I, can I have a few minutes with them and everything else? And I introduce them to the God of the mountain. I don't introduce them to earthly logic. I don't introduce them to, to worldliness and everything else. I just tell them that there is a God of the mountain who can save their marriage and who can do abundantly more than they fathom if they would just trust him. And I make them make that choice. Choose the world or choose, choose God. Choose his power and glory or, or, or choose the world. And, and the world promises you a lot. Amen? There's a lot of things that will come with that. Or, or you can choose the power and the glory of God. And there's a lot of things that come with that. Amen? Sometimes we choose our shame. Amen? But the reality is, if we don't ever embrace the God of the mountain, if we don't ever embrace the promises and the hope that we get through a holy, powerful, living God who has all power, then we'll, we'll continue in the grave clothes 
every single day. We'll continue as slaves every single day. Amen? I was talking with someone the other day about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at the office of all places. And, and we were talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and I brought up the, my, my favorite line that, with that story that if you're ever going to dance with Jesus, you got to get in the fire. Amen? And I think it's curious, amen, that in their story, because their identity was where? Was their identity with Nebuchadnezzar? No. Was their identity being slaves? No. What was their identity? Their identity was child of God, right? They were 100% child of God. Amen. I love their response to Nebuchadnezzar when he said, Oh, king, we're not careful. Man, I love this guy. We are not careful to answer you on this. Amen. Our God will deliver us from the fiery furnace and your hand. And if not, we're going to be with him, so we're going to be dancing anyway. Right? Now, I'm paraphrasing. You can laugh there. I'm paraphrasing. Ha, 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 ha. Wow. Okay. Um, now you're laughing. You're laughing at me now. The reality, friend, is he said this. We're not careful to answer you. I might be your slave. Amen. But I'm on the mountaintop. I might be in your prison. But I'm with the God of the mountain. And you might throw me in the fiery furnace. But I'm still going to be on the mountain. Amen. And I refuse to lower that standard. To bow to you. Amen. They threw him in. And it was so hot that it even burned up the guards that threw him in. Right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the fiery furnace. Everyone's trying to figure out why they're not burning up. And they're looking in. And what do they see? They see Jesus dancing in the fiery furnace with them. Amen. They turned the furnace off. They opened up the door and they walked out. And guess what wasn't singed or smelled like smoke? Their clothes were not singed. Nor did they smell like smoke. Why? Because they trusted the God of the mountain to be everything he promised he would be. To do everything he promised he would do. And to deliver them out of the hands of an earthly king. Amen. Now we can be politically divided and we can make a million Facebook posts and we can point fingers at the left. We can point fingers at the right and we can fight this battle all day long or we can just reside with the God of the mountain. And we can know that as his church, as his priests and his holy nation, that he will defend us fully and completely in his presence as the God of the mountain. Friend, I'm tired of the valley. I refuse, I chose a long time ago that I refuse to live there. I refuse to live in the pits of this life. Don't you have troubles? Absolutely, but I refuse to let them affect my mindset. I refuse to allow them to affect my spirit. I choose to walk in the holy nurture of God. Amen? Because he's the God of the mountain. He's the God of the mountain, and I choose to walk with him. I don't know your situations, and I don't know your circumstances. I know I'm really sweaty, so this here thing's like driving me crazy right now. 
But what I, but what I know is this, is that if you are choosing the slavery and the struggle of this life, there's no way you're mountaintop living. There's no way you're embracing the God of the mountain and all that he promises you. And so I say this to you this morning. Be tired of the valley. Choose today to be tired of the valley. And choose today to set your sights on something bigger, something higher, something greater, and something that will never be pulled off his throne. He won't be. I don't care. I, I don't care what happens here. I already know this place is going to burn. This world will burn. Amen. But I am assured that God Almighty will remain on his throne and that he will be my defender. He will be my lover. He will be my redeemer. And he lives. He lives as God of the mountain. So today, walk away from your struggles. Today, walk away from the mindset of the things that hold you captive, the things that enslave you in this life. Walk away from those things. Choose joy. Does that really exist, Pastor? Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. You absolutely better believe joy exists. Amen. I have been in situations where everything is burning down around me and I'm humming a gospel song. Amen. Because my joy is in the God of the mountain and not this place. Amen. The God of the mountain determines my success and my failure. Amen. And he has as much thunder in his clap today as he did back in Exodus 19. Amen. So I am encouraging you to a God who is all that he says he is. And what I'm, what I'm offering you and offering you that God is removal from the valley. Removal from the sin. Removal from the struggle. Removal from the guilt and the shame. Removal. Amen. From all the stuff. That amen. That you really don't want anyway. So this morning. We each choose God of the mountain or the valley. Amen. Well, God sees us through the valley, but he's still God of the mountain. He doesn't become God of the, of the valley. He still remains God of the mountain. Amen. He doesn't say, oh, my people are in the valley, so I'm going to go to the valley too. He did that when he sent Jesus Christ. Amen. To redeem us from the valley. So now we're invited to the mountain fully. Amen. God's not going to lower himself to the valley, but he will pull us out. He will pull us out and he will set us up on the mountain alongside of him. Amen. If you choose the mountain this morning, stand and sing.